It's a Mailbag Monday. We've got a trade of former top 10 picks between the A's and the Marlins. Your questions about a Jonathan India rebound, Oscar Colas for Rookie of the Year, and Kumar Rocker. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster, and thank you for making this your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. So we saw a trade over the weekend. The Oakland A's, the Miami Marlins did the classic change of scenery trade. Uh, Left-hand pitcher A.J. Puck moving from Oakland to Miami in return for outfielder J.J. Blade. And I think it's a really interesting trade for a few reasons. And it's something where both these guys kind of have things that you can see them making a tweak and fixing to pan out in their new location. So Blade, 2019 first rounder out of Vanderbilt, number four overall, 6'2", 197, split his time last year between AAA and the bigs, 85 games in AAA, 288, 365, 470, 20 home runs, 33 extra base hits, 60 walks to 99 strikeouts, and one or two on stolen bases. Got to MLB last year, didn't quite look as great. 65 games, slash lineup, 167, 277, 309, five home runs, 17 extra base hits, 30 walks to 67 strikeouts four or five on stolen bases. I think the issue for J.J. Blade is when he was in college, he was seen as having a very good sense of strike zone discipline, as well as the ability to not chase, the ability to barrel balls and make the most out of his contact ability. For some reason, in the bigs, it hasn't kind of, it hasn't really materialized. He didn't hit for Power didn't hit for average. Uh, 2021 was a lost year for him. And I don't know if it was just getting promoted early or what it was, but it never really seemed to come together for J.J. Blade. Now, I think that he's still a good player. He's no longer a prospect, technically, but he still has, like, when you go and you look at what he did, you can still see the plate discipline. You can, like, he made some changes. We saw it in the Arizona Fall League. In 2022, some of those bore out in the minor league season. You could see where he adjusted his hands. He adjusted his stance, be a little more flexible with the barrel, cover more of the plate, and be able to make quality contact with those balls in the middle of the zone that he was missing in 2021. I just don't really know if he's going to be able to unlock it when he gets to Oakland. Now, the good thing is he won't be asked to play center field in Oakland. He's a potentially, like, he can play all three positions. Uh, the arm is plus, the speed is somewhere between average and above average. He could play center. He's a little bit stretched there, in my opinion. I think he'd be a, a above average to plus defender in right. And when you look at Oakland's roster now, you have Ramon Laureano, you have Seth Brown for two of your three starting spots. Brown's a great candidate to get traded at midseason, but you have a lot of other options. Asturi Ruiz, 
Christian Pache, a lot of different guys that you can try out for that third outfield spot. And so Bladé may not start the year as the starting center fielder or as a starting outfielder in general. I mean, I forgot Cal Stevenson's there, um, Brent Rooker's there, Connor Capel's there. There's a lot of options for that third outfield spot. And Bladé has minor league options, but he's a candidate to move to AAA if he needs to and kind of rediscover some of that collegiate strike zone discipline as well as the ability to to make solid contact on pitches in the zone and hit for power. Uh, he wouldn't be the first guy who is from Vanderbilt and got traded to the Bay Area and kind of take off, t- took off Mike Yastrzemski. Struggled before he went to the Giants and then kind of took off after he was sent to the Giants. He was another Vandy outfielder who moved to the Bay Area. So this is one of your typical change of scenery trades. Let's see what happens. The other part of the trade was... A.J. Puck, 2016 first rounder out of Florida, number six overall pick, 6'7", 240. Got in 62 games last year, all in relief. 312 ERA in 66 and a third inning, 76 strikeouts, so 10.3 per nine, to 23 walks, 3.1 per nine, and seven home runs allowed. He, he was switched into relief during 2021 because he had just, he's missed so much time due to injury. He had uh, Tommy John. He had a shoulder surgery. Obviously, he lost the pandemic in the minors. He had a bicep strain. He's just missed a ton of time. And his numbers, he spent some time in the big leagues in 2021, 12 games in relief, ERA of over six. So kind of a bulk guy who took back into a lot of blowouts and things like that. Looked much better in 2022. And Kind of sticks with three pitches. The changeup he had, he he had a, a, the tools to make a good changeup, but it wasn't quite there, and he for the most part dropped it. Statcast has him as throwing one changeup in 2022, and I think that might just be a misread versus actually a changeup. He features a fastball, sits 97 to 100, tons of extension on it, like one of the best rates of extension. And really, really good velocity to that. I think it's like 96th percentile on extension. Uh, 90th percentile on velocity. Gets a lot of swing and misses. 72nd percentile on swing and miss. So a lot of stuff there. Has a slider to go along with it. Sits about 87 or so. Two plane break to the slider. So kind of a classic look there. And then has a sinker that he'll pull out in certain handedness situations. He's a left-handed pitcher. He, see, he had better splits against lefties than righties. Which obviously you love. And Oakland had announced in the offseason that they were going to try him again as a starter. So again, thing he had never done at the big league level. He has he has gotten into 84 games at the big league level between a brief cameo in 19 and then 21 and 22, and not a single one of them was a start. So not sure what Miami's going to do yet. Uh, you can see him being an effective lefty reliever. Uh, I think Miami has a couple lefty relievers that they've picked up now, so it kind of gives you some flexibility there. Jesus Luzardo is also on this Miami team. They were teammates with the A's. They were really good friends. They were roommates. And so, you know, Miami has been good at developing pitching. Uh, he's still, like, he's not young age-wise. He's 27 years old. But from a development perspective, he's missed so much time to injury that he's still a little bit younger. Uh, you do have to be concerned about if he is a starter, the barrel percentage is going to hurt you. He's uh, His barrel percentage hovers right around 9%. The MLB average is mid-sixes. 
And so you're going to struggle with that as well as you're going to have to kind of bring back that changeup. But I think there's pieces here if the Marlins want to work on him as a starter and they made this trade because now that you're moving Jazz Chisholm to center field, J.J. Bleday is a little bit kind of, I'm not going to say extra, but he's not a guy that you, you're counting on now to play center field because the plan is to put Jazz Chisholm out there. So he's not necessarily extra, but you can afford to move him if you like the potential of an A.J. Puck to potentially work out as a member of your rotation. In just a minute, I want to get to some questions, some fantasy baseball questions. Uh, Jonathan India, Taj Bradley over Shane Boz, Andrew Painter, things like that. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Now that we have finished the Super Bowl, the midway point of the NBA season is here. And so that's the perfect time to download FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. And new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, safe, secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line, point scores, how many people make three-point shots, things like that. The, you, know, you can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Or if shooty hoops is not your thing, obviously MLB futures are in there. You've got everything from division winners and over-unders on win totals to individual player awards, uh, super, uh, World Series winner, uh, pennant winners, all of that. So you can go in and take advantage of all of that in FanDuel. The great thing is all of this stuff is in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Again, don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. Get into your questions here. John in our Discord had a question, a bunch of fantasy baseball questions. He's in a dynasty league, and it's unlimited keepers. And so he's trying to figure out, does Jonathan India rebound this year, or does he need to, like, should he keep him and, and do that, or should he drop him and go find a different second baseman, which is a pretty thin league? I think that from what I've seen, a lot of Jonathan India's issues last year came back to the injury. He had recurring leg injuries. And if you look at the lines, so Jonathan India in his rookie of the year season in 2021, 269, 376, 459 with 21 home runs, 57 extra base hits, and 71 walks to 141 strikeouts in 150 games. Last year, he only got 103 games and he was obviously not healthy. 249, 327, 378. So slugging, I'm sorry, on base down 50 points, slugging down 80 points, and even the batting average down 20 points. 10 home runs, 28 extra base hits, 31 walks to 94 strikeouts, and 3 of 7 on stolen bases. Uh, When you kind of look at the year, because of the leg, I think that was the biggest impact on that was the power. When you go look at all of the advanced numbers, the stat cast stuff and everything for Jonathan India, he, he didn't chase more. The, the core approach at the plate was the same. He didn't, like, he didn't chase. He didn't expand the strike zone. He still had the same batter's eye that he had. Walk percentage was close to the, what the same thing it was in 2021. Strikeout percentage, a little bit higher. Uh, but obviously, uh, slugging down significantly, on base down significantly. You can tell that the leg was bothering him because on defense, you can see def- uh, his range was less. The defensive positioning, he was playing in a little bit closer 
trying to cut balls off angle-wise because he couldn't necessarily uh, range out to get them. And so if you feel that he's healthy, I think he has a little bit of time before John has to make this decision. If you think Jonathan India is healthy, I think you'll be okay to keep him and count on a rebound. Now, if he doesn't rebound, here are the, like, some of the reasons would be, one, the talent level on this team as of right now, as we get ready to enter spring training, is not nearly as good as it was in 2021. You've moved guys out of there. They've shipped off a lot of the older guys. Joey Votto missed time as well. You do have a bunch of fantastic prospects, like an Ali De La Cruz, that we, who we love on this show, who are getting ready to come up and to positively help you in Cincinnati. But if they have growing pains, if they struggle, you're going to be in a scenario where you don't have the help, you don't have the, the lineup protection around Jonathan India and some of these other guys, and they could still struggle. The other thing to be concerned about, and I know this doesn't help answer the question, but this is just how it is. Cincinnati has signed a bunch of middle infield types. They've, they have Kevin Newman now, they have Matt Reynolds, they have Chad Pender, they have Richie Martin, they have Jason Vosler, and then in the minors you have you know, high-level Spencer Steer, a lot of other guys. And so Jonathan India himself, I've seen some of the tweets, is a little bit questioning, like, we have a bunch of middle infielders and a bunch of second basemen. Like, what does this mean for me? What are the long-term plans for Jonathan India? We've talked about on this show before, in our Reds preview, there's not a lot of prominent outfield prospects in this system. And so is this something where... Jonathan India, they look to move him to the outfield. What does that do to the to the offense when he's having to run and use his legs more? We don't quite know. We know we've talked about Matt McClain's a good fit, a good candidate to move from second base to center because he played it at UCLA. I've talked about Ellie De La Cruz would probably be elite at third base. He wants to be the shortstop, but I think he'd be fantastic in center field as well. So a lot of moving parts. It comes down to a risk calculus of do you think Jonathan India will get enough playing time and is healthy? If you think he will, keep him. If you're concerned about it and you can flip him for a different asset or let him go and pick up somebody who you think will do better, that's your choice. And I believe John said that second base in his, in his dynasty league was pretty shallow. So he may, he may end up keeping Jonathan India. And then if he improves, maybe flip him later. Not quite sure. The other questions he had about fantasy baseball was... Long term, do I like Taj Bradley or Shane Boz more? I like the stuff of Taj Bradley. I think Shane Boz has shown it at the big league level. He was in the playoffs in 2021. I think he's shown it. And so if I'm picking one of those two to pick up right now, knowing neither one of them is really going to help you at the big league level in 2023, I'm probably taking Shane Boz long term because I've seen a bigger sample of him at the big league level. Bradley obviously has not debuted yet. So there's that. And then his other question was, in the draft, he picks second. If Andrew Painter is available at pick number two, do you take him over Tamar Johnson? Absolutely. I can't express enough how much I just happen to love, <laughs> how much I love Andrew Painter. I think he's one of the best pitching prospects to come in quite a long time. If he's available, you got to take him. If you have more fantasy baseball things that you want to know, our Locked On Fantasy Baseball show is back Go find that. It's on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. They are here. We will be doing something with them sometime soon, talking about rookies who are going to debut in 2023. But go check out Locked on Fantasy Baseball. They are back. It is fantastic. Um, SKRIP on YouTube asked about what are the odds of White Sox outfielder Oscar Colas for, uh, for Rookie of the Year. 
So going back to the FanDuel lines on this, Oscar Colas is tied right now for 7th best odds in the American League at plus 1,400, tied with Josh Young and D.L. Hall. Uh, the, the thing with Oscar Colas, 6-1-2-20, and you remember he signed in 2020, like January 2022 uh, from Cuba. He had played in Cuba. He had played in Japan. He was in like the Japanese minor leagues from 18 to 20. And last year, high A, double A, triple A combined 117 games, 314, 371, 524, 23 home runs, 51 extra base hits, 38 walks to 120 strikeouts, three is seven on stolen bases. Triple A Charlotte was a very small sample size, so it's kind of, it's seven games. It's hard to look at that and say that's a relevant sample size when you're trying to see how much rust has Oscar Colas knocked off. But going from high A to double A, which is considered to be the biggest jump in the minors, batting average dropped only five points, on base dropped only five points, and the slugging increased 90 points. It's safe to say I think Oscar Colas is, for the most part, is back to close to MLB-ready form. He's going to contend for a job out of spring training. Uh, there's a chance they send him back to AAA Charlotte. Depends on what the roster construction looks like. Defensively, he is a below-average runner, but massive arm. He's probably going to be like a right-field guy. He's in, like reads routes reactions good enough to play center field, but because of the speed, I think you're going to put him in right. I do think he's just about ready defensively. Offensively, the question is he's kind of prone to chase down and away. You saw that strikeout rate hover right around 20% in both levels. You know, small variation, but right around 20%. Uh, I think it's something where you're close. I don't quite think you're ready. When I watch the at-bats, I'm very impressed that early in the at-bat, he's comfortable selling out a little bit for power, looking to go pull side. And then as it gets you know, 2-2 two, two count, 3-2 count, 1-2 count, things like that. A little more conservative, maybe balanced approach. Uh, takes contact, he can he can send it the other way. I really like how he can take uh, a pitcher's pitch on a two-strike count and put it the other way. I think offensively, he's just about ready. And I think the power at its ceiling is probably 25 to 30 home runs. Now, in the American League, there are some really good guys in front of him as far as Rookie of the Year, you have Gunnar Henderson, uh, you have some pitchers in Hunter Brown and Grayson Rodriguez, you've got Tristan Cassis up there, uh, and, and I don't know if he's going to win, but I think he's a better bet at plus 1,400 than a D.L. Hall or a Josh Young or some of these other options, uh, provided that he's healthy and he gets to come up pretty soon, if not when the season, if not be up when the season starts. I think you have to feel pretty good about him being a dark horse for Rookie of the Year. Another question about Kumar Rocker. Is his age, he's 23 years old, is his age a negative or a positive, and what are realistic expectations for him? So 2022 first rounder, you'll remember he was signed in 20, or he was drafted in 21 by the Mets and did not sign. They didn't like looking at the elbow. So he left Vanderbilt, went to Independent League, pitched in the Frontier League, and then was drafted number three overall by the Rangers. Got in six games in the Arizona Fall League, 14 innings, so small sample size, 450 ERA, 18 strikeouts to 12 walks. The stuff, the fastball-slider combo was still there. Fastball sat in the mid-90s, has some late movement. The slider sat in the mid-80s, was plus when it was on, little inconsistent. And then the 
The changeup has like late fade to it, but it was kind of below average as a third pitch. The question that I have, he had a lower slot in the Arizona Fall League, and I think it was just kind of to alleviate pressure on the shoulder, but uh, if that is just maybe his new slot versus a temporary adjustment because of pain or injury, I'd be concerned about the long-term health. I do expect him to probably start in high A, given that he's already 23, with a goal, if I'm the team, my goal is to get him into double A before the end of the year, preferably maybe by the midpoint of the season. So I want him to come out throwing strikes, looking good, being healthy uh, to, to start 2023, looking for him to get to double A by the end of the year so that his age 24 season is triple A flirting with a call up and you're not waiting too long to get him to the bigs. I kind of feel like that's the expectation I have. Uh, if he struggles to start off in, in high A this year, that's when I'm going to start being concerned. Uh, he's had enough time uh, now within the organization and instructs, things like that, to get a lot of that rust off. So I want to kind of see him be a little more uh, solid and a little more uh, hit the ground running there in high A. In just a minute. I want to get to uh, brothers Christian and Alexis Hernandez inside the Cubs system, as well as Detroit second baseman Wenzel Perez, the breakout from last year. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. We are coming up on spring training. That means road trips to Florida or to Arizona to go watch uh, baseball teams and, and watch spring training. Or maybe you're lucky enough to get to go to Miami and watch the World Baseball Classic. While you're on the road, think about using Built Bars to help you on your drive. If you're like me, when you go on a road trip, you're just eating tons of stuff from the gas station. You're eating candy bars, you're eating chips, you're eating crackers, you're drinking sodas, and all of this stuff. It ends up not being very good, and it's kind of expensive. Instead, think about taking Built Bars for your road trip. One, they taste fantastic, 100% real chocolate on every single bar. The flavors are great. Churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, but they keep you full and they are good for you. 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar. The protein keeps you full, so you're not constantly snacking the entire time you're in the car. Uh, you can go to Built.com, check out all of the flavors, and buy some. If you run out during your trip, stop by a local Walmart, go to the pharmacy section, grab a 4-bar box of cookies and cream, of double chocolate, or of coconut puff, or go to your local Sam's, grab a 13-bar box of brownie batter or churro. It's the best way to keep you on, like keep you eating healthy while you're on a road trip. So we got a question about uh, brothers who play for the Cubs, Christian and Alexis Hernandez. Both of them are IFAs, Christian in 2020, Alexis in 2021. And since the Super Bowl had Travis and Jason Kelsey, the first brothers to face off in the Super Bowl, I thought this would be fun to save this until here. But an outlook on the two of these guys and kind of what we can expect from them. So Christian signed first, again, 2020. And got in rookie ball last year. So 44 games in the Arizona Complex League. 261, 320, 357. Three home runs, eight extra base hits, 13 walks to 53 strikeouts, and six and nine on stolen bases. I do think he's got good patience despite the 53 strikeouts in the 44 games. Uh, right, hit, hitting's a, better, a bigger part. The hit tool's a bigger part of the game than the power tool right now. Part of that is just physical development. If you look at him, he's 6'2", 175. So he's got the height in the frame, but doesn't necessarily have the physical development of the strength and things like that. 
when you do see those stats, though, when you kind of break it down, he started off slow and then made adjustments and really picked up late in the season. And, and it felt like it all kind of came back to baseball IQ. He was really, uh, just really picked up and understood the way pitchers were choosing to attack him and made the adjustments he had to make. I still think he hits too many ground balls. And so some adjustments to make there, but you can see how he's got like, like middle of the lineup impact hitter potential. Obviously a long ways to go. Uh, defensively, the speed is, I think, around plus. It's kind of hard to get a read on some of these guys when they're in the complex league. Uh, the arm is plus. The range should be average to above average. He should be fine as far as at least being an average defender at short. If he continues to fill out and slows down a bit and the range comes back, the arm strength is good enough to play third base. So you've got that going for you. I'd look for him to be at a full season affiliate this year. Since he's only 18, probably low A. like to see how he does. His brother Alexis, a little bit less information on him. Kind of happens. He was a 2021 IFA. Got 36 games in the DSL last year. 244, 333, 341. Two home runs, eight extra base hits. 16 walks to 27 strikeouts. He's a good hitter from what I've been told. And then he's got, you know, obviously power is 17 years old. He's six foot 150. So plenty of work to do there physical development wise. But the potential should be there for something like above average power if everything works out. Defensively, uh, really good arm and good instincts. And there's been conversation about he could stick it short, but they might move him to the outfield to take advantage of the range. And so if they do, I think he's talented enough to play center field. Whereas Christian, the conversation is if he slows down and has to move, it's either a corner outfield spot or it's third base. So I think he should be a little bit faster than his brother. Just know less about him because I haven't seen him stateside yet. Everything was from the DSL. Uh, another question, Detroit second baseman Winsel. I hope I'm saying that right, Winsel Perez. 2016 IFA, got in 94 games between high A and double A last year. 295, 369, 534, 14 home runs, 47 extra base hits, including 10 triples, 42 walks to 61 strikeouts, and 18 to 23 on stolen bases. Going into last year, he had kind of fallen off some of the top 30 lists because he was solidly like well below average when it came to to power. We saw how a lot of that stuff clicked last year and a big thing was his approach at the plate. He kind of he joined the the launch angle revolution. Uh, he brought up his fly ball rate like by like to around 40%, dropped his ground ball rate to about 37%. Uh, ground ball rate was one of the lowest in the system, like bottom six or seven, uh, amongst everybody who had had at least 140 plate appearances. Whereas previously, like in 2021, he had been at almost two ground balls for every fly ball. So a significant change from 1.94 ground balls per fly ball to like 0.8 ground balls for every fly ball. So raise the line drive rate, raised the fly ball rate, and then kept the good plate discipline. So that was really nice. Kind of broke out last year. Expect him to be, you know, in the top 10 of a lot of uh, rankings and things like that as we get into this year, the top 10 to 15 in this system. The areas you have to be worried about, uh, one, is injury-wise. He's ha- He missed half of August and September with back issues, not the first reoccurrence that he's had of those back issues. A little bit there. And then two is the defense. He, he's already had to move from shortstop to second base. The arm is only average, 
And he had 12 errors. A lot of those were throwing errors, throwing accuracy and or timing. So he's going to have to clean some of that up, especially because you can't rely on the shift to mitigate defensive issues. You're going to have to field your position and be able to make a clean transfer and an accurate throw to get runners out at the big league level. So it has to work on defense, has to stay healthy. But if you do that and you keep up the, the, the better approach with more fly balls, I look for him to have a good year in 2023. Fantastic week this week. We're, we're knocking out the last week of farm previews with the American League West, starting off with Houston. We've got Seattle, the Angels, uh, the Texas Rangers, and the Oakland A's. going to be a fun week Tuesday through Saturday doing those previews. And then if you have questions for the mailbag next Monday, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, shows on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us, LockedOnMovieProspects at gmail.com, or drop your questions in the new Locked on Movie Prospects Discord. Link is in the episode description, and the link is in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects.